Hey, what's happening, everybody? My name is Larry Roberts, and I'm the host of the One Big Win podcast. And I'm here today joining Pablo to talk about, well, all things that revolve around resiliency. If you listen to this episode, I know you're going to love it. You can find Pablo everywhere on social media. I met him at PodMax, such a tremendous event. If you have an opportunity to check out PodMax, we love the guys over there. Pablo and I both, man, we're there each and every time. And I tell you what, you can't go wrong. So give Pablo a listen, give him a follow and, and check out PodMax while you're at it. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Welcome to the Chief Executive Connector Podcast. I am your Chief Executive Connector, Pablo Gonzalez, and we are in a PodMax special edition, except this is a special PodMax special edition because I get to interview a man that I've seen on PodMax plenty. I've connected with him. I have a ton of respect for his podcast game. He's a high energy and charismatic podcaster, speaker, Amazon number one bestselling author, top rated Udemy course creator, and he's been coaching and facilitating roles for more than 25 years. He's also the host of the One Big Win, Moments in Motion to Mastery. On his show, he highlights those moments in our life that when put into motion, accelerated, our individual life mastery. Legend has it, he beat Chuck Norris in a roundhouse kick competition and beat Billy D. Williams in a voice-off. His name, Larry Roberts. Welcome, brother. How you doing, buddy? What's happening, man? You know, I, I excuse me, I did go head-to-head with Chuck Norris one time because I had the pleasure of being on an episode of Walker, Texas Ranger. So that was really, really cool. Yeah, I got that from one of the stagehands that you'd like kicked his ass, bro. I don't know about all that, but they might be stretching it a little bit. But overall, yeah, it was it was it was a good day. That's pretty funny, man. I just knew that you were like a Taekwondo champion, so I figured if I just reference your roundhouse abilities, that we can... <laughs> I might be, I might be cooking with some grease here, and turns out it was. <laughs> yeah, it's too funny, man. It was great, and I see that they're bringing Walker Texas Ranger back, and I'm like, yeah. there's no way it's going to be any good unless, of course, they bring me back too, so then we can make it great. Clearly, if you're listening, Chuck, holla at your boy. All right, Larry. Yeah, what's up? I start all my podcasts. I want you to connect with our friend that's listening right now, right? And my thesis okay. on human connection 
is that there's two quickest ways to connect. One is you add value to people's lives, which I'm sure we're going to do in our conversation. And two is to share a vulnerability, right? So like if they hear something that resonates with them that they've struggled with, they immediately are going to be like, all right, I'm into what this dude's saying, man. So I ask all my guests to, to tell me something that they're either struggling with right now or something you've struggled with in the past. Man, struggled with in the past and, and probably it's, it's the biggest thing that I've ever struggled with my li- in my life was alcoholism. Uh, it was, it was a huge struggle. It wasn't just a struggle. It was a fight for life, honestly. And it, it nearly took me out. So that was by far, uh, the biggest struggle that I've ever had. You know, I haven't had a lot of in-depth conversations about alcoholism. Uh, At what point is it like a delineation of like an addictive personality versus alcohol itself being the trigger? Is there, is there something behind that? For me personally, now, I think everyone is unique in their own personal addiction story or journey, however you want to call it. If you're able to overcome it, then maybe it was a journey. Uh, I know I look at mine as that, but yes, definitely an addictive personality. If if I like something, I like it. And I just get, you know, I, I get in deep in everything that I do. You mentioned the, the high karate. You know, I was a karate guy my whole life. I loved it as a kid. I'd run around and I was a ninja. And, you know, when everybody else had superheroes and stuff on their walls, I had ninjas on my walls. And that was just my thing. I wanted to be a ninja. And that that goes back to some some psychology there because I was a very, very frail little boy. Born with a birth defect. Should have checked out at around four or five years old. I was born with an inverted sternum and it was growing inward. So my chest was getting deeper. The, the con- It was concave instead of being convex. So my sternum was crushing all of my internal organs. So my heart couldn't beat. My lungs couldn't expand. And without this massive surgery, I wasn't going to be around anymore. So at four and a half years old, I had this massive reconstructive surgery. Now, granted, it, it gave me, it allowed me to continue living and even being here with you right now. But what it also did was it caused me some, some long-term physical issues. My shoulders, <laughs> you can't tell now, pretty narrow for the average cat, right? My lungs, I got about 60% lung capacity compared to the average individual. My lungs come up above my clavicles and go down almost into my hips. Craziest looking x-ray you'll ever see in your life, but they are just these long cylindrical, almost like the long, like little balloons for balloon art. So I was very frail as a little guy and they wanted to protect me. So they stuck me in private school and I was very, very sheltered, very, it's kind of interesting. I was sheltered, but at the same time, grew up in a household of violence and aggression and abuse, not just for myself, but for my mother as well. So that was another harsh thing. And I wanted to be able to, I wanted to be able to learn to fight there, but I also just wanted to be seen as someone that wasn't frail, that it couldn't just be snapped in half like a little twig. And that I think, I don't think, I know that's what pulled me into that arena of wanting to be a martial artist and, and having that addiction to put myself in a position that I would consider uh, what I thought was the definition of greatness. So I learned that wasn't the definition by any means, but learning how to get punched in the face, like professionally, 
Uh, that's great and all. <laughs> I had a lot of practice growing up, so I think I was already about halfway there. But the, my, my point there is, is that I do everything with the fervor and the passion of someone that just thrives with addiction. And it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, look at my podcast now. I've been podcasting five and a half years. I am addicted to the power of podcasting. Uh, I was addicted, still am, to martial arts. I mean, I don't train as much as I used to. Well, let's just back that up. I don't train at all anymore, but I'm still involved in the game, man. I still corner fighters from time to time. I've still got people that are in the fight game, and I stay connected in 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 that way. Still a huge fight fan. You know, I'm so excited. Tomorrow night's a UFC. This is Friday. Tomorrow, UFC's back. It's been, been on hiatus for three weeks. How do I go three weeks with no UFC? It's very, very difficult. So I'm stoked that it's back tomorrow. It's just, it's just one of those things, man. There's nothing that I do halfway. And that includes drinking myself to, to the verge of death. Man, that was, a, thanks for sharing that, man. That's a, that's like a deep, very origin story. Very interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you something weird, man. I just, just cause I don't get a lot of opportunities like this and it's fine. If there's no segue to this, just be like, nah, but you know, my brother, I don't know if I shared with you when I was on a podcast, but my, my older brother passed away and my, he was always, he grew up like you, man. He grew up wanting to be a ninja, right? Like <laughs> ninja this, ninja that. I like, yeah. I didn't, when he passed away, I had a surfboard shape that looks kind of like a mini ninja that I shaped in his honor. I'll send you a pic of that, man. But, you know, my brother also had this thing where he always saw himself as a tragic hero. Like he always kind of thought he would fall on the sword for somebody someday. And I, and I kind of see that in his actual, how it ended up happening. Is that, is, does that come from that like lore of karate and stuff like that? Do you have any of that tragic hero kind of like complex thing? Is, is that part of the self-harming piece that, that may have affected you? I mean, probably, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm drawn to all of that. I mean, look at my, if, if, if I had the lights on in the background, I'm, su- I'm surrounded in my studio as a 48 year old dude, I've got a three and a half, four foot Batman standing here on my desk. I'm surrounded by Batman and other DC superheroes. I mean, it's just, I'm drawn to that arena. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because the day that I went to rehab. I, I had been drunk for about three weeks straight, you know, it, just hardcore drunk. I mean, no memory of the, of the time really, but I found myself in a position of doing two things, drinking. And I kept watching two pieces of movies. There's, there's two movies and it sounds so cheesy and I shouldn't be even sharing this because it's so cheesy, but it was the original Superman with Christopher Reeves. Okay, and I'm going to tell you exactly what part. It's not the whole movie. It's just one part. And then also, now this kind of flips the script. The, uh, the Batman, what is it? Dark Knight Rises, where he's fighting Bane. Okay, so, and there's just a scene from that as well. And my wife, now she doesn't allow those movies in the house, although I got copies. So... <laughs> <laughs> Your secret but, tapes here on this podcast. It's not going. Yeah, I appreciate no it. No one listens. So what I did was I had gotten into this 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 tragic uh, cycle where I was just I was just thriving on tragedy. And those two movies, there's the one scene in, in the Superman movie that always, even as a kid, I mean, when did that come out? 77, 78, something like that. I was like six years old. 
And it's funny, I think back, I can remember sitting on top of this crappy duplex that we lived in, but it just happened to be right next door to the drive-in theater. Remember those? And I, <laughs> I was able to climb up on the roof and I would sit up on the roof and I would watch Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan and Superman over and over from the theater. I remember doing that. So anyways, the, the scene that always got me, even as a pup, was when Lois dies. Spoiler alert, but she dies. <laughs> And Superman flies in, but he's there too late because he was doing other. He was committed to other acts of bravery and saving other people. And he's so Christopher Reeve was so tremendous because, you know, it's a superhero movie. You're thinking there's no way this is going to move anybody. But man, uh, it, it obviously stuck with me my whole life. He reaches down, and he yanks the door off of her car because she got caught in a, in a in a landslide and and she suffocated with the with the earth. And so he rips the door off and he reaches in and he pulls her out so gently and so soft and you see the tragedy in that scene bro you're going dude it's a freaking superman movie it's not i'm telling you yes it is (laughs) because he pulls her out and her little head just kind of does this it falls he didn't hold her head properly and he lets out this little soft oh and because he knew he made a mistake there and he didn't want anything to happen to her. He was just trying to hold her and trying to nurture her and trying to save her, but it was too late. She was already gone. And when he realizes that there's no saving her, he just goes into this freaking rage, lets out this yell that will blow your mind. And then boom, off into space. He goes to try to fix things. Probably watched that scene 500 times. If I watched it once, during the last three weeks of my alcoholism. And you have to understand that I wasn't just alcoholism. Wasn't I was having drinks every night, bro. I was effed up from day, from the time the sun came up till the time the sun came up again the next day. And get this though. I was still employed. It was tremendous. And, and I, I chuckled there, but at the same time, I'm very, very grateful because without that support system, I really would be dead. So the other movie was Dark Knight Rises, where Bane and Batman go at each other. Tom Hardy and Christian Bale, they throw down and he breaks the bat, essentially, right? They throw and, and, and so Batman has always been my go-to hero, even as a little pup. Uh, I, I still have, before I go into surgery, there's a picture of me just before I go to surgery, and I'm wearing a Batman t-shirt. Yeah, I, I, The character, I've just always loved him. But anyways, he was broken. He was beaten. Yeah. And that's how I felt in my life. And probably watched that scene about 500 times as well. I just kept it essentially on loop over and over and over again. And there was, after about three weeks of doing this and not, not eating anything, really, I couldn't keep anything down because all it was was alcohol. I was sitting there one day, my wife's at work, and uh, something came. Something came to me. It was an epiphany. Clear as I, people go, no, Larry, that doesn't happen. Look, it happens. Okay. I had a moment of clarity that said, hey, bro, either get up, make a phone call and ask for help, or we'll see you on the other side tomorrow. Your choice. You can check out or you can go check in. And it was just so clear. And I made a phone call. My friend called my wife. My wife called some other people. Got some things lined out. And and the situation came together. And next thing you know, whisked away on my way to rehab. So yeah, the whole, the whole tragedy, the whole tragic hero scenario, bro, you're looking at it. Yeah. Interesting, man. Thanks for sharing that with me, dude. And, and, you know, as you say, like you've got, 
you know, you got all these comic book things behind you, but they're all anti-heroes, right? So like, I, I get it, man. So let's flip the script, dude. You've gone through, you've gone through the hard times, right? Like I'm a big believer that if you can keep your eyes open in the dark, you're able to see light where people see darkness, right? And you're into hero movies. So I think that this struggle must have forged something excellent in you, man, because of, of what I see in you now. Sure. What, what is your superpower, man? I, you know, I, I'll say resiliency. resiliency. I would say a resiliency is it, man. And just a dogged determination that when I set my sights on something, I handle it. When I first got into karate, and actually it was a different style of karate. I'd already been training for years, but I wasn't very good. You know, I had this, this, the commercial karate type thing. Right. And here in Texas, we're known as a state for the hardcore old school karate guys that would fight with no pads. And it was hard. I mean, you had to be hard to be a real karate guy in Texas. And I ended up changing gyms and I went over and, and I thought I, I thought I had the answers. Right. Well, there's a cat and he's one of my best friends in the world right now, Stacy Rice. I hated him. He was so evil to me because he could just destroy me. And he did. He beat me from one end of that gym to the next. And all I wanted to do was beat Stacy Rice, man. All I wanted to do was come out on top in an exchange between the two of us. And I remember once he hit me in the face with what's called an axe kick and it sent my nose over to the side a little ways. And I just collapsed. Wasn't because he knocked me out. It wasn't because the pain, don't get me wrong, it hurt, but it destroyed me inside more than anything else because I was so frustrated that I collapsed up against the wall, slid down the wall, sat there in this gym as the tough uh, Texas karate guy and boohooed. Not because it hurt, not because of anything else. It was because it even happened. Because no matter how bad I wanted it, the passion that I had, I wanted to beat Stacey Rice, and God, I couldn't do it. Yeah. So I yeah. let my nose heal up. Stacey and I, we went at it again. We went at it again, and there was finally a day when he calls me up about 3 o'clock in the morning. He goes, you SOB, I'm sitting here coughing up blood. I was like, yes, because I <laughs> broke a couple of ribs with a sidekick. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great. So I was so excited, but it's that resiliency that's allowed me to go and, and reach heights that I never, never would have thought I would reach. So what do you got your sights on now, man? What do you, what are you applying that resiliency towards right now? Podcast domination. Talk to me about it. Talk to me about the one big win podcast, bro. Yeah. One big wins all about moments in motion to mastery, where we take a look at that moment in your life that you recognized and you put it into motion and it took you one step closer to your life mastery. And communication is something that I've always loved to do. I always learned how to be a high-end communicator, verbally, written, it doesn't matter. And that was my moment when I realized that that's what's going to work for me in life is to communicate. Yes, I went to a private school. I mentioned that I graduated from a private school. But let's put it in perspective. I grew up in a trailer park, okay, in the worst trailer in the trailer park. The metal one was not even didn't even have shingles, just had the metal roof, you know. So when it rains, it sounds like there's a storm brewing, even if it's just a nice little spring sprinkle. But so there's there was some some fun there growing up in a trailer park, going to a private school. Let me balance it out even further and let you know that I graduated from high school with five people in my senior class. Oh wow. Now the kick-ass thing there is I was in the top five. So very, very cool. But, but it made it pretty easy, but I never went to college. 
So I ended up, you know, I liked, <laughs> I liked to dance a lot at the time. And I was always at the club pulling off my kid and play my MC hammer, my vanilla eyes. Cause that's the time frame that I grew up in. Dude. Right. When you were saying that you were like really good at communication and contextualizing, I was like, I bet you got mad kinetic intelligence. So the fact that you're talking about that, you were like dancing right now, it's just like blowing up in my mind, but continue hammer hammer. Don't hurt him. Go ahead. I'm not going to do Al stop. It was so funny. Cause you just stole one of my jokes. I'll tell you about it later, but it had to, it had to do with Clubhouse and MC and the new app and MC Hammer. I ended up in a room with MC Hammer. No so I was like, no way. Yes. And it turns out he was an early adopter of the platform and he's one of the celebrities that has helped promote it so quickly. But anyways, we'll get into that some time. It's too legit to quit. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I'm derailing. Oh, man. I don't even remember where I was going. Uh, I was, oh, yes, because I love to dance all the time. I was at the club all the time. And well, I was at the club dancing with this little honey one time and we were just dancing. And of course I was in a relationship with someone else and she shows up on the dance floor, pulls me aside and goes, Oh, I hope you enjoy her. Like you me. Cause I'm pregnant. I was like, Oh, this is a life changer. So yeah, that, that, that kind of derailed some plans. You know, I thought I was going to be an accountant. Why an accountant? I don't know. You know, I'm such a nerd, though, that I grew up with my senior ring from high school. One side is business. The other side is art. So uh, I wasn't sure which direction I was going, but I was going to do numbers, which I, I loathe numbers. So it would have made no sense. This is why this all just comes together. But I knew at that point that I had to do something and I had to do something legit to start making some money, support this child that I've uh, helped bring into the world and take care of the responsibilities that I had due to some of my uh, uh, indiscretions at the time. So what can I do that would bring in real money? Oh, I know I'll sell cars. I bet I could sell cars. And so right out of high school, I started hammering this dealership, Red River Chrysler Plymouth Dodge Jeep Eagle in Sherman, Texas. I, I went in there six, seven times. They'd laugh me out every time because here I am too. Keep in mind, I don't know if you know what Chess King is, but there used to be this, this it, was, it was the cat daddy place to buy your, your duds, man. So I was all duded up in my Z Cavaricis and all my whatever, bolo ties and all that, right? And here I am trying to get a professional sales job like I'm on my way, I just stepped out of 90210 or something. Eventually, though, they go, man, this kid, he is resilient. He won't go away. Bring him in. So they brought me in. Gary Dunlap, still to this day, great, great friend of mine, great influence, great salesman. He put me through a week's worth of training. He had a little program there and taught me how to talk, taught me how to sell, taught me how to make money by doing one thing that I already did fairly well, and that was communicate. So I use my voice and using my voice has, has gotten me everywhere. I just came out of a 21 year IT career. I don't have any certifications. I don't have any IT. I can barely spell IT. And I was at the same company 21 years in their IT department as a corporate trainer. That's how I ended up heading over there was it was as a trainer, but then it evolved. And now when I left just two weeks ago, when I left that company, I was doing data analysis. I was a business intelligence analyst. Like, what? Yeah. I looked at numbers and I, I did forecasting and and we used some, we used the Microsoft platform, their business intelligence platform to build reports and dashboards and all kinds of cool stuff and provide all these insights of numbers. And so it was kind of ironic because I ended up messing with numbers later on in life. But really, I would have never ever landed in that position if I wasn't able 
to talk if I wasn't able to use the power of my voice and communicate effectively, so effectively that I made the connections that I needed in order to secure my financial and my professional future. So there you have it. That's my superpower right there. I think I circled back to superpower, but uh, you are your 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 resilience and yes. you're a communicator. Which, by the way, you didn't have to state that as your superpower. Anybody, you know, <laughs> listening right now is like a deer telling stories. First of all, I love the early '90s references that are that are dropping all over this place here, man. This is this is really really fun for me. What does podcast domination look like for you, man? Like, what does that mean? Right, like what do you? Well, what, right now it, it it looks like Readily Random Media LLC, which is the name of my my media company that spawned from my Readily Random podcast. It looks like helping others launch podcasts. It looks like being an industry thought leader uh, in the podcasting space in environments like Clubhouse, as we mentioned. Uh, people are going, man, this Clubhouse thing, Larry, you won't shut up about it. No, you're right, I won't. You know why? Because thanks to Clubhouse, I've been an entrepreneur for a week and a half now. And a lot of thanks goes to Clubhouse because as it sits today, we're two weeks into the year. I've already made more than 33% of my corporate salary from last year. I've reached two clients off of uh, TikTok. TikTok sucked for me. I couldn't make that one work, but Clubhouse works awesome. So I've already landed two of them off Clubhouse. And that's what it looks like, man. Spreading my brand, spreading my message, spreading the fact that everybody has a place in the podosphere. So many people are so afraid that, oh, there's too many. There's 1.9 million podcasts already out there. Sure. But there's about 350,000 that are active. So, you know, a lot of people start these podcasts and they fade immediately. And we call it, I mean, there's a term pod fade. You know that. And it, the most frustrating thing there for me as a, as a podcast dominator is the fact that with 1.9 million podcasts out there, the names are taken. All the good names are taken. It's like trying to get a URL nowadays, you know, in, in the wild, wild internet days, trying to find that, that one URL that works out real well. Now you're stuck doing that, trying to find a podcast name that fits the bill as well. But, you know, hey, I'm all about it. I like to help people find out exactly what they want to do with their podcast, what direction they want to take their podcast, how they want their podcast to perform. What does podcasting success look like to them? That's a question that's very common. And, and people think that it's downloads. It, it can be, sure, that can be one measurement of success. But really, let's ask the, the, the better question here. If you have a podcast, do you want to talk to 100,000 people that really don't even pay attention to you? Or do you want to uh, speak to 500 people that love you, that think you started the spinning of the world? I mean, that's what you're after as far as I'm concerned. That's success to me. And now as a full-time entrepreneur, you know what else is success to me? Using my podcast to monetize, using my podcast as the springboard. And I don't have sponsors. I've never even attempted to get sponsors except for Chipotle. I did try the, the local Chipotle and I had that for a little while you know, free lunch. So that's about as far as I could go. I go a couple times a week and have free lunch. And so that was cool. But again, it, it's just, it's, that's not my method of monetization, but I love to help others get their shows off the ground, answer any questions they may have in regards to what are some of the mistakes to avoid with podcasting? Cause I promise you, I made them all, you know, one big win moments of motion to mastery is my third podcast. One of the reasons it just launched, and I just launched it November 1st of this past year. And uh, something I might have wanted to consider at the time was the fact that, hmm, 
There might have been a volatile election going on in the United States. I don't know, but didn't factor that one in. So, you know, I'm still making these. Uh, and, and I don't know for sure that it's a mistake, but I, 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 I've been there. I've done it. I've stepped on my toes. I've stepped on my dance partner's toes. I've made all the mistakes you can possibly make in the game. I say that. And then here, probably this afternoon, I'll make another mistake. But I would rather make the mistakes so that I can direct you not to make those same ones and get you on your way a lot smoother and easier. Awesome, dude. Let it be known. Larry Roberts will podcast for Carnitas. I uh, <laughs> I do love Carnitas. I'm Texas. Hey, brother, come on. <laughs> man, there's so much, there's so much value in everything you just said, man. Like, like the, the value of teaming up with someone that's been iterating for so long, you know, it, when you're trying to get into something to me is very, very apparent. I would love to give some value right now. I'd like to give some value in two buckets. I'd love to give some value in clubhouse strategy, right? Let's give some advice on like what works well on clubhouse. And then I'd like to pick your brain about podcasting strategy. Let's let's do Clubhouse real quick because Clubhouse only been around three weeks. So you're basically like an OG in Clubhouse if you've been doing it for three weeks. Right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> so so Clubhouse, let's break it down. Yeah, yeah. What works for you then? Clubhouse actually debuted in April of last year, but it was on a very, 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 very limited scale. And even as we sit here today, it's still only on one platform. That's the Apple Apple OS. You have to have an iPhone or an iPad in order to get onto Clubhouse. You can't even get on from a Mac. So it's very exclusive right now. It's invite only. You're given invites when you get invited to the platform. I begged for one. Someone please give me an invite. Finally, Eddie Garrison gifted me a nice invite to the platform. And man, it's tremendous. And I'll tell you, the only reason it's so tremendous is because guess what you have to do in order to find success on the app? You have to talk. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You just have to talk. You have to show up. You have to contribute. Uh, and, and Pablo, I, I don't know if you heard my story first thing this morning when we kicked off the show. Did you hear about me coming full circle in my podcasting? No, I wasn't. I wasn't there for that. Share, share it on the podcast, bruh. Dude, this is such a huge story. And I may cry again. This just happened yesterday. It's like the stars lined up and said, Podmax is tomorrow. You need a kick-ass story. And here it is. So when I first started podcasting about five and a half years ago, uh, I was looking to two people. I'd come across them on the interwebs. I didn't know who they were. One was Pat Flynn and one was Cliff Ravenscraft. And for whatever reason, both guys, tremendous educators when it comes to the podcasting space. Super, super great guys. But for some reason, I kind of migrated over to Cliff Ravenscraft a little bit more than, than Pat at the time. And so I just absorbed this guy's content left and right. I bought all his courses. I bought all his how-tos on setting up your equipment, even bought all of the equipment that he said to buy. I've still got a high OPR 40 mic over here because Cliff Ravenscraft told me to buy it five years ago. Don't use it anymore, but you know it looks kind of cool on the shelf. But anyways, so I digress. Uh, I had used his techniques tips, tricks, everything to learn how to podcast. Yesterday, after being on Clubhouse for three weeks, I, oh, are we getting, oh, 10 minute, 10 minute warning. We just got the 10 minute, I'm sorry. Okay, so here we go. Minutes, but it's really more like 12, 13. Talk, talk, give it to yeah, me. Yeah, cool. Okay, so here we go. So yesterday, after being in Clubhouse, ah, most of the day, I had, I had came out of the rooms and I was in the kitchen with my wife. She was making dinner. I was talking to her. We were just hanging out. And suddenly I get a ting on my phone and I look down and, says, Cliff Ravenscraft has followed you. Wasn't even in a room at the time. Wasn't even on the app at the time. Just got the alert. And I showed that to my wife. I said, look who just followed me. 
She didn't know who it was. And so I told her, I said, this is who he, well, we, we, we paid his bills for a couple of months. Let's put it that way. And, and he's a tremendous influence on me in the podcasting space. And he just followed me. I said, it had to be a mistake. There's no way that I could provide any value to Cliff Ravenscraft, but he provided me with so much value. So about an hour after, I, after dinner, I got on a podcast. I was on a live Facebook podcast last night. And I told that story again about how great it was to have somebody like Cliff Ravenscraft follow me when he taught me the whole game. And after we were live on Facebook for a half hour doing that podcast, myself and Jenny, uh, Jenny Rin Stotrup is her name. She's a phenomenal podcaster as well. We went over to Clubhouse and we started a room. So I was co-hosting a room with her on Clubhouse about, well, podcasting. And we're in there for about 30 minutes. And guess who shows up and joins our room? It's Cliff Ravenscraft. I saw him come on and I was like, oh, wow, this is the trip, man. And Jenny saw him come on. And of course, if you're in the podcasting space, you probably know who he is. And Jenny goes, hey, Larry, let's hold on just a second. Let's let's have you tell that story you told over on Facebook when we did the podcast an hour ago. But guess what? You could tell it to the guy himself. And I said, Jenny, oh, my God, I'm totally going to get you back for this. I swear to God. But what we ended up doing, we brought Cliff Ravenscraft up to the quote unquote stage in, in Clubhouse. And I introduced myself, told him that story through and here. I, <laughs> I hate this because it's it was just so epic. But through tears and gasping of trying not to cry, I'm in a room with 30, 40 people I don't know in Clubhouse yeah, and I'm yeah. bawling. I mean, I'm freaking just going, and then, uh, man, it was, you know, and get this, this, this made it even worse, but it's so much better. He goes, yeah, so-and-so told me to follow you. They said you would be a great contributor to my group, my club. And I looked at your resume. I looked at you online. thought, yeah, I need to bring this guy in. I need to know this guy. And I'm like, oh my God. God, I've, I've made it. I'm here. I've reached the pinnacle, but man, it was just so surreal to, to have that moment, to live that moment and then tell him. And of course he was super, super gracious and, and, and super, uh, I'll say he tried to equalize our, our placement in the podcast sphere, which was really, really cool, but you know, I'm not stupid. So, <laughs> but it was just such a tremendous opportunity that would not have presented itself outside of clubhouse. And you wanted to talk about, you know, clubhouse and podcasting that story encompasses both on next level type fulfillment. And, and, and I just love it, but it's a testament to, to one thing. And when I introduced myself in these rooms, I introduced myself as a full-time entrepreneur, a podcast strategist, online course creator, and a true believer in the power of showing up. I show up. I might be late. Sorry about that, Pablo. But I, might be, but I show up, brother. I show up. And I, I get grief from a, a variety of people in the podcasting game. Not real grief, but they give you a hard time because they're like, dude, you're everywhere. Can't get away from you. I don't even like you. Go away. <laughs> I haven't heard that to my face, but I'm sure that happens. But it, the, my thing is, man, is I show up. I show up everywhere that I can and do my best to provide value. I, I, I'm not looking to leech off of anyone. I'm not looking to, you know, oh, let's just do this because I'm so awesome. The attitude's not there. Uh, I'm very humble in my approach, or I try to be very, I uh, hear I'm bragging about how humble I am. There's my remarks there. Uh, yeah, you know, but I, I try not to come across as an arrogant piece of not very pleasant. What was that term you were using earlier? 
uh, test tube baby? No, no, no. <laughs> About the dog and you get your, yeah. The, oh, the uh, doctor, doctor. That would be the one. Yes. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I try not to come across as a dog turd. So hopefully I'm successful in that arena. But that's podcasting and 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 clubhouse all wrapped into one little present there. Dude, I want to deconstruct a little bit of the things that you said, man, because it's so valuable. Number one, yeah, I think the magic in clubhouse is the fact that it's this like 24-7 conference. And since there is no like friction to approach or status or whatever, there's all these little mini stages. And if you can all of a sudden get on a stage and the person that you've been, there's this, this like high level of curiosity in it, right? Like people are going in there with wonder, not with judgment because right. everybody's kind of new there, right? Like I, right. I, I equate it to like first week of freshman year of college, like everybody shows up like, I don't know what I'm doing here, right? Like everybody's on the stage. It didn't matter how cool you were in high school, right? Like um, right. So, so it's kind of, it's kind of that right now. So there is this like great equalizer, kind of like what Claude was saying, everybody, you know, when you're on a zoom call with 50 people, everybody has the same box. Right. So, right. Right. So, so I, I do think that there's a lot of value in connecting with your heroes on there right now because of that effect. And second, man, what I'm really passionate about that you talked about, which is been the key to my success is being fashionably late. No, I'm just kidding. Is the, the idea that <laughs> the idea that, showing up everywhere is everything, man. Like, as you know, like I'm this like fanatical connector. And the only way that I got connected was that I was in every room all the time in Miami for 10 years, every charity function, every chamber of commerce, like showing up, man, just like your presence and, and understanding now that social media is that way to create that effect, but magnified on steroids is such a valuable lesson to learn. Like the fact that you show, and by the way, your friends that tell you, I don't like you, you're showing up everywhere, stop showing up are lying because if they weren't looking at your content, the algorithm wouldn't show it to them. So, <laughs> you know, so it like self-selects, right? So like, yeah. I just think that's so, so valuable, dude. I love that story. I love the, like the meta-ness of all of it. And now Larry Roberts, it's time for the lightning round. Let's do it, man. Strike okay. me, baby. Strike me. What's what is your favorite restaurant? Where is it? And what is your order? Jin Bay is the name of the restaurant. It's a hibachi spot here in Louisville, Texas. And my order is generally it's the hibachi shrimp and either filet, filet mignon and shrimp, or it's a uh, shrimp and they have the greatest calamari steak. I had never seen it before in my life until I came across this restaurant. We're not talking the little bitty squids that are deep fried. I'm talking this, this steak and it's scored. Oh, it's, oh, it's so beautiful. And they cook it up and it's just like butter and it's just delicious. So Jin Bay, by far favorite restaurant, calamari and shrimp with fried rice now is definitely the order. How do you spell Jim Bang? Because perfectly well-cooked octopus, like a calamari steak like that is one of my favorite textures to ever put in my mouth. What, how do you spell it? Wow, it's J-I-N-B-E-H. Okay, J-I-N-B-E-H, Jinbe. All right, got it. What content are you most into right now? This could be podcast that you're listening to, book that you're into, Netflix and chill series du jour. Like what are you, what's most going through like Larry's eyes or ears right now? Man, right now I'm just, uh, over, over the last three weeks since I got there, man, it's really just like you said, it's 24-7 conferences in Clubhouse. It's such a giving environment and, and you have the opportunity to learn. It's like going to a real conference or, or just a real, like a mixer even uh, with people that you go, what? I'm in the same room with Grant Cardone. 
I'm listening to Grant Cardone talk and I was just watching Undercover Billionaire the other night and Grant Cardone's on there and now I'm listening to him. I watched Shark Tank last week while sitting in a room live with Damon John. Damon John's breaking down the episode while we watch it. I'm like, get, get out of here, man. This is the coolest thing ever. So uh, that's where I'm at right now. But yeah, I've got a stack of books on my desk as well. I'm going through an NLP book, trying to get the basis of that going. I've got storytelling books that are on, you know, how to tell better stories. I've got that book sitting over on my desk and I'm trying to get through that, man. That's the kind of content that I'm I'm going through is just, just I'm still trying to, to continue my development process for myself and learn and grow and engage. So that's what, that's what I got, man. I listen to one podcast and I'll tell you which one it is. That's so weird. I don't listen to podcasts. Now I, li- I used to listen to JRE until he went over to Spotify and I'm not interested in going over there to listen to anything. So he lost a listener. I'm sure he's crying, but I still listen to, or quote unquote, watch one podcast. Cause we, we pull it up on YouTube every Friday. It's called the King and the Sting. And it's a comedy podcast with Theo Vaughn and Brendan Shaw. Brendan Shaw used to be a UFC fighter, and now he's with uh, with Theo Vaughn on the show. And dude, it gets belly laughs every week. I can't wait. It's, it's, today's Friday, as a matter of fact. We got to go check out the new episode later. We'll probably eat dinner to watching King and the Sting, and it's just a blast. I love it. <laughs> Theo Vaughn is a funny, funny dude. All right, what is something that you were sure about in your twenties that you no longer believe? Oh man! Wow. <sighs> Well, I, I believe that I would be a professional fighter at one point there. That was the goal. I, I ended up stopping my car sales career, opening my own karate school, training hardcore in a warehouse karate school to be a pro fighter. And I, I kickboxed, did really well at kickboxing, but this was also the early MMA days. And Texas has always been a hotbed for MMA, for mixed martial arts or UFC type fighting. And I had the opportunity to train with legends of the UFC. I mean, I'm sitting here rolling with these guys. That's what we call wrestling. Was wrestling with these guys and learning from them. And I just knew I was going to, I was going to be the next cat daddy, but you know what? There was a realization when I was rolling with Eve Edwards, I dropped the name. Sure. Of course he was a big, he was a big time lightweight uh, fighter in the UFC until he kind of aged out and we're rolling a little bit and I'm having that. I'm just having a hard time. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Saul Solis, who is a trainer of world champions. He trained Tito Ortiz when Tito Ortiz was the cat daddy, Rico Rodriguez. He's, I can sit here and laundry list the names of world champions. And I had a fight the next day, as a matter of fact, and I'm just rolling with Eve and Saul walks up and he goes, Hey bro, cardio is looking a little suspect. Cause I was so tired and I was so, and we weren't even doing anything, but I was just, <gasps> and if you recall, why would I be doing that? I have 60% lung capacity of the average individual. So when I really reached that, that level to where I was even just training with these guys, it became 100% apparent that this limitation is going to stop me from reaching my goal. It's going to prevent me from being the next UFC lightweight champ or whatever it was that I wanted to be at the time. Physical limitations were very, very difficult for me to accept. That's what I learned in my 20s were the physical limitations. But just because those physical limitations come into play don't mean that I can, that I have to stop, that I have to stop growing and that I have to stop any kind of a climb or ascension to what I would consider the top. And uh, man, I take scenic routes, but guess what? I tend to get there. <laughs> I, love I love it. I love it. I love it. What's your favorite piece of advice you've ever received or your go-to piece of advice you'd like to give? The go-to man, just don't quit. Just really just don't quit. Stay the course, recognize when you've made a mistake, recognize that it's recoverable and, 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 and 
change and change things. You know, we go back to the alcoholism. Now, if, if I didn't take that, that epiphany moment and capitalize on it, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. That's a fact, bro. It's, it's a thousand percent fact. And, and, and it's just having the humility to say, hey, I did make a mistake. And here's what I got out of that deal. I still make mistakes every day. We all do. And just recognize that that's not the end of the world. You goofed. Okay, accept it. Move on. Learn from it. You know, I haven't had a drink since I went into rehab. I can tell you that eight years, not even a cold beer has crossed these lips. So I learned from it. I understood the damage that it did. And I, I didn't let it control my life any further at that point. And it's the same way with everything, no matter where you're at, you make a mistake, suck it up, learn from it, move on. Yeah, man. I love to say, don't attribute, don't attribute long-term attribution to short-term problems, man. Like if it's just a mistake, move on. Right. Exactly. Larry, before my last question, buddy, how do people find you, man? Promote whatever you got to promote right now. Oh, brother, One Big Win Podcast. You can find it on any and every platform that's out there. Right now, man, I'm asking people to follow me on Clubhouse. It's at Larry Roberts. Pretty easy to find there. You can find me on Facebook, LinkedIn. I'm all over the place, man. If there's a social media platform, I am on it. And I'll be happy to uh, help you any way that I possibly can. So don't hesitate to reach out. And again, One Big Win, give it a listen. Give it, brah. Last question. Where do you find community? Where do I find community? Wow. That's hard for as a last question because it's such a long answer. As you can tell, everything's a long answer with me. Yeah, I didn't see that. Uh, yeah. Social media, man, is where my, is where my community's yeah. at. You know, I, I don't get out very often anymore. It used to be at the comedy clubs because I was doing comedy and, and kind of doing the local circuit and doing open mics and all that sort of thing. But I don't get out and about much like that anymore. So all of my community, all of my, including family, it's all online. You know, the studio that I'm sitting in right now, this is kind of my, it's my own private back cave and I don't go anywhere. We even get a hard time. My wife and I both, we get, we get haze for that from our friends because they say we have a five mile radius, yeah. meaning that in the office where I used to work is within five miles of the house. So between the house and work, that's pretty much all we ever went to. And you would never catch Larry and Tracy outside that five mile radius. And if we did, it was a big deal. <laughs> That's cool, man. I'm glad you said that, dude, because I think people poo-poo on social media, man, but it really is a source of community, man. And I think there's nothing more important. Larry, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Like I, this conversation has not just been super fun and entertaining and you're a great storyteller and a dynamic dude, man, but like it really, really filled my bucket to, for whatever reason, man, you've got this like little glimmer of my brother in you, man. And it like, I'm, I'm going to get emotional in it, but like, it, it, it really, it really felt like talking to somebody I've known for a really, really long time, man. I appreciate you very much. I love what you're doing, man. Thank you for being on. Thanks, Pablo. I appreciate it, man. All right, bro. Take care. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.